Welcome to the George Lynch Hunting Podcast, brought to you by Legendary Gear, the game call company that is legend by design. Well, I guess this week, folks, is a real good friend of mine, but if I had to put it together, because he's a guy that I could talk to, there's very few people in the in the industry when we all know each other, become family, and you're traveling, but he's one of those guys you can tell your problem, family problems to, you can talk about hunting problems, you can talk about, he's, he's kind of the guy that listens and has answers. And then he's the kind of guy who is the duck hunter killer. You know, he's also, a lot of people don't know, he has the green thumb that can grow with all the gardening he, he can. So I, I always tell everybody, if if Dr. Phil and the duck commander and the Jolly Green Giant's sister had a kid, it, it, it would be my next guest, Steve Kitchen. Steve, welcome aboard, buddy. Glad hey, to have you. Hey, thanks thanks for having me. Uh, look forward to this. This This will be fun. Well, it's been tough because, you know, this time of year, we both know what it's like when you're starting with the shows and you got dealers and, and you know, you've just been running the road here um, with the shows and everything. But for our people that don't know Steve Kitchen, can you kind of give a background of what you do? I, uh, I am the regional uh, sales rep for Sika Gear. Uh, I cover Missouri, Kansas, Iowa, Nebraska, Illinois, and Arkansas. Um, we also sell Rigamite. Uh, but uh, we do Kershaw knives. We, we sell several lines here in the Midwest, Turtle Box Audio. Um, like I said, I've been running around pretty crazy for the last three weeks. Uh, got one more weekend this weekend up at Presley's Outdoors. We've been at Rogers Sporting Goods. We were at the Delta Waterfowl Expo. Uh, it's been a great, great kickoff to the fall. Uh, a lot of enthusiasm. People are out there buying products. Uh, it's looking, looking to shape up pretty good for this fall. I think people have been with COVID has kind of put people in a hermit shell for a couple of years, you know, and they're, they're really excited. Last year was good, but people are really wanting to get back to that normal life and that we had before. Uh, you mentioned Presley. So I'm sure I'll be, I'll be up there next weekend with you. And, and, good, 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 good. Yeah. I, uh, it, it's been, it's been pretty bad with COVID, you know, not being able to go to Saskatchewan for a couple of years. I got to go last fall, looking forward to this fall. Uh, duck numbers are up all across the board is what I've heard. Don't know about the snow geese, but uh, that's my favorite target up there in Saskatchewan. But uh, I think that uh, everything's shaping up well. We're actually starting to get a, quite a bit of moisture here in the Midwest over the last few weeks where we were really, really, really dry before. There's still some dry pockets, but uh, shaping up pretty nice. Yeah, we're going, I'm excited to head to Saskatchewan the first week of September myself uh, with a friend up there. And I mean, they got everything. I just have to fly and show up and and uh, hopefully we already got a cameraman. So I'm excited because we're, we're looking to get a lot of footage and we're going to get some photos and and uh, some use some of our new products that uh, that we're using this year. And and I'm excited as well. Um, you know, back, I'm going to say, gosh, I don't know how many years ago it was. I think I've judged the world goose six times and I judged the world duck one time. And then I judged the world duck and world goose in the same year and a couple of weeks apart. And I think I'm the only guy that's judged both, but I'm not sure. But one thing I remember is one of the times I was judging the world goose, uh, Corey Perso, who was, who was sick of gear, had got a hold of me and said, hey, you're going to be at the world goose. We'd like to, uh, you know, meet up with you and stuff like that. And they had a booth and I, and I had no idea. And I remember going, you know, I was a judge out there and and I met Corey and even worked in the sick booth a little bit with him and 
And I remember he gave me his, his credit card that night, said, Hey, I got a meeting with Gore the next day. Here, go enjoy yourself tonight. And and the next day is when he came to me and said, Hey, uh, the reason we're here and and the reason you know I want to talk to you, we want you to be we're with an athlete with us. And they were very particular. And I think Jeff was the first guy. And then uh, you know, they asked so he talked to me and it was an honor, but you know, that was how critical and how important the people that represent them of what they, you know. And so through, that was my first time, you know, came on board, started using the, the sick of the gear. And um, a lot of the questions people have asked me through the years, you know, what have you seen as the most improvement in waterfowl hunting? Has it been decoys, calls? And even though I'm a call maker, yeah, man, the calls have gotten better, but we killed calls in the past before. I w- we found a way, you know, and, and the geese reacted. It was, but to me, the biggest improvement, I tell guys, especially at the older age, is Sitka. And they look at me and, and uh, I said, because it, it really is. I mean, it was a gear. I mean, it was allowing me because we lived in, in Michigan and I was one of the first guys that hunted our early goose season and hunted our late season. People thought we were nuts. You know, waterfowl hunting was hunting waterfowl on water. And when Michigan came up with their first late season, we had white Tyvek suits. We were laying on white styrofoam. I was laying out in the snow trying to kill these honkers and people thought we were nuts. Now look at it today, but what I'm saying is it going through the years because I was young and tough and, and I did a lot of guiding. Hey, buddy, there we go. There's the boss. I love that it. That is boss for sure. Hey, that's the most loving you probably had in the six months. Yeah, it, uh, I got it earlier this morning when we were out doing training. But, oh. uh, you know, it's kind of funny you say that. You know, when we first started with Sick of Gear, it was, you know, I've worked in the industry before in the sporting goods, you know, as a buyer for the Dunn's family. And I've seen, seen everything, you know, every, you know, I, I, I got, a, I got to try everything. People brought it into me. I wore it. I did it. There was a lot of neat stuff back in the day, but then once we started working with sick, it was like, Holy cow. But the biggest telling story to me was the very, the second year, I think that we were working for Sitka, I got my dad fully suited up. And he was down in Arkansas with a bunch of my buddies and they, it was like 25 degrees in Arkansas, which, you know, the people down there freeze when it's 25 and they're breaking ice and doing this, that, and the other. And he sent me a text. He goes, son, 60 years of waterfowling. I've never seen anything like this. He goes, this is the best gear in the world. When are they going to make bleeping socks? <laughs> and that was, you know, and yeah, that was a testament, you know, I mean, he's been through it all. He's been through the back in the days with the, you know, with the old redhead gear before it was Bass Pro, the, you know, the, the, the canvas, the, the canvas waders, the, the steel shank boots, all the stuff where it was, it got you, it kept you a little dry, but it didn't keep you warm at all. But, uh, you know, it was a testament to hear my dad say that, which, you know, that when that first happened, it was like, yep. I'm representing a brand that definitely does what it says it's going to do. So absolutely. I mean, like your dad's right back in the old days. I mean, I had a combination of Columbia and Carhartt. I mean, Carhartt, you know, and, and, um, but when I'm, you know, what I'm telling guys, I said, Hey man, in that late season, uh, when we can hunt, you know, we, it gets bitter and you're laying on that ground, it gets cold. And, and uh, the neat thing, and, and I'm going as a guide or whatever, I'm setting up this whole spread. You're there early in the morning, it's bitter cold. You know, you're wearing, the guys will get all this bundled up and then you set decoys. And by the time you're ready, you're sweating. Next thing you in the next hour, you're freezing, you know, because yep. you had windbreaker, you had everything. So with Sitka, I really got educated in the layering system. You know, yep. never thought about that before, but having yep. a 
system and a middle system and a middle layer and you know then you have so we did videos and did stuff that we talked about you know out in the morning this is what i wear and this is you know even come to the boots you know what i'm doing when setting up my 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 decoy spread and then we as we go back to the truck and before we get in the blind the next layer and the final layer comes on and that was the thing i was being i was able to withstand and stay out in the elements a lot longer and in the old days, and you probably never hunted geese much in, in, in the layout blinds, but when you were guiding guys and laying out in the blinds, guys would get cold, man. And then, then they were constantly out of the blinds having to walk and get warm. And I don't know how many opportunities we lost because guys are, here come the geese and guys are staying outside the blinds. Oh, yeah, for sure. Yep, for sure. I mean, back in the day, I mean, it was a great product, but you had a Columbia Widgeon parka that was you felt like the Michelin man walking around. You couldn't, you couldn't set decoys wearing it or you would, you'd, you'd sweat to death and then you didn't have any other options. And, you know, with the layering system, it, it has changed the game. Um, the light core, lightweight core, midweight core, heavyweight, then you, then your insulation layer, then your outer layer that's waterproof if needed, or if it's a windstopper piece that's, that's used, you know, you have so many options, you know, when you get a guy come up to you, Hey, what, what would be best for me? Well, you got to give me some more information. I need to know, are you cold natured? Are you hot natured? Are you hunting, you know, mainly wet? Are you hunting mainly dry? I mean, so many different options and we can fulfill them all, which is so cool. Right. Absolutely. And then the waiters came and that's a game changer too. So. Now, that's one of the reasons that, uh, you know, I wanted to get this, get with you and doing this podcast because, you know, I, uh, got a set of waiters here and i've been using and in the past man waiters was like the last it was if there was a last piece of equipment i wanted to put on me and come to water it was a set of waiters and um you know it's one of the things but if you're hunting in the water whatever you got you got to have them but it, to me it was my worst um piece of equipment and it was something that you looked at like wow someone's got to come up with something better you know and yeah. Someday sick has got to do this. And, and, uh, I got a set of the waiters this year and I was, as soon as I put them on, dude, I was so impressed. First of all, the most comfortable boot you ever going to walk on. I yeah. mean, I, 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 if people wouldn't look at me, I'd probably wear it to church. It's just, <laughs> they're that comfortable. But another thing is, is my movability, being able the flexibility or being able to move. Cause a lot of times you're so restricted and the other waiters, you know, bending over and scrunching a, a gonad there as you're bending over and stuff, but these, oh, yeah. so why don't you educate I, I tell us? You, you know, what, what you're saying, you know, back way back in the beginning, when we were with sick and we first came up with the waterfall gear, we, we started talking about waiters, I mean, immediately. And um, waiters are a key of, of poor, uh, component of, of waterfowl hunting, that's for sure. But Sika would not put them out until they were right. Um, we're very good with Gore-Tex, very good with the, with the laminates, uh, had some great partners that made some Gore-Tex waders, got great ideas. We started working on them a couple of years ago, knowing that we needed to be able to increase production and supply the demand, the huge demand from all of our consumers and our dealers and everybody that trickles down from there. And we put a boot on this waiter that is... It's the most comfortable boot that I've ever had on a waiter. Uh, it feels like putting on a pair of work boots or, you know, something, something more. It's, it's not even anything like any other rubber boots. No. Uh, the main deal in the boot. I'm going to grab one.
So this is the boot that we currently have. This is generation two on their boots. Right. Look at this. Look how this thing flexes. Really simple. Really yep. simple. We have a comfortable boot. It's got great sole. But when you go to the new boot, try to flex it. It's a lot stiffer footbed. It's oh, wow. super, super wow. stiff. What that does is gives you more stability in the mud. And you don't, you, you find yourself not getting stuck as bad. I mean, it, it's still, I mean, if you're in nasty swamp gumbo, you're going to be, you're going to still have problems, but this is going to alleviate a lot of it by having the firm footbed. It's going to eliminate for your feet getting pinched in the boot. Yes. Yes. The ankle fit is a little bit tighter than it was there again to help your feet stay in the boot, but not constrict and make it uncomfortable. But the biggest, the biggest thing I, I, I mean, it's just, Game changer is the actual footbed insole inside of it. It actually has an arch. It actually feels like a constructed, almost like wearing your ten, uh, high-end tennis shoes or like I said, work boots, something that has a lot more form to it. And last weekend up at Rogers, while we were, you know, showing people new boot, old boot, you know, they, they were, you know, had some of the old boots left and, and they, we had the new ones in stock. Hey, try this one on and then try that one on. Even though the, the, the old boot we were selling at a less expensive price, a lot of people chose the new boot just because, by, like you said, when you first slip it on, it's like, oh, my gosh, this thing is unbelievable. So that was, I'm telling you, for me, that was well, as soon as I put them on, you looked at them as well. This, I like the material and everything. But as soon as I put the boot on and stood up, I looked at my wife and, looked, whoa, I mean, yeah, for this, sure, for I mean, sure. I, we could walk the country. You know, the other things about the waders, of course, is being a it's, a, it's a Gore Pro laminate, very easy, very soft, very pliable. Like I said, feels like you're wearing a pair of bibs and, and muck boots, but you're wearing a pair of waders. Uh, the other point is repairability. I mean, if you stick a stick a thorn through this thing and you you have you some Aquasil or our patch kits, you can be back up and running in, in a matter of minutes. Uh, the other thing is, you know, you get tiny pinholes sometimes, you know, walking through, you know, walking through stuff, you, it happens. If you right. turn these boots inside out and you take some uh, isopropyl alcohol in a little squirt bottle and you spray it around on the inside of the lamp, on the inside of the boot, you, you will be able to see anywhere where water has come back the other way through this gore laminate, it'll turn black. So you can find your own micro holes. Um, you know, again, with a, with a lifetime warranty against manufacturer's defects, if we have a seam leak, we have a zipper break, we have something like that, you, you know, you, you get on our website, you, you fill out the warranty form, we send you a label, we pay for the shipping back to, to us and back to you. Uh, I've had, you know, like, you know, you know, Ira McCauley, Ira was putting a, a mojo stake in the ground and, you know, the T-Po, the, the thing you step oh, yeah. on, just slipped off and ripped a big giant gash in it. And we sent him back in, they re-seam taped them, had them back to him and, he still has those waiters. And so, I mean, it's not like the old days where, oh my gosh, I got a leak. Oh, sh oh crap. My boots worn out. I got to throw these away. If, if you, if you cut the boot, we can, you can send them in and we have, it's a patented proprietary uh, function that we can replace the boot. You can't replace the boots on any other waiters. You can, you, this boot will come off. You put a different boot on it. We've even had guys buy boots of the wrong size just because they wanted to get tight fitting to get through and at the end of the season send them in and say hey i don't care what it costs put the right size boots on and we were able to do it so yeah you know, 
it's 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 something that you know i think that most people don't realize is you know how many pairs of waiters a year go into the landfills and all the things that are about it and these waiters are 100% repairable extended you can you can have them forever if you keep them up to date with the new with with new boots or whatever you have to do over time uh i still have a pair this is the original prototype pair from what eight or nine years ago and that this one has those kelvin uh, or has those uh lacrosse aerolite boots on them but you can see yeah me sending them in because i love these boots so much i've aqua sealed the crap out of it and made them made them work the other thing is is i guide in a concrete pit so I sit up on the edge. All the all the clients are down in the hole. Yeah, up on the side of that of that concrete pit. Oh, here they come! I slide down, slide down. Over that many years, I wore spots oh. the rear end. But I sent them in. They repatched them, refixed them, and I'm still I still have them and I still wear them. I mean, they're they're in my arsenal because I love them so much. And I, and I have accessibility to any of the new products anything we have but that's a testament those waiters are still around in eight from eight years ago and a testament to the customer service yep, yeah for sure a, oh sitting in a concrete pit does it get yep. cold yeah yeah I, I mean they're poured in place like like my basement here where i'm sitting right now i mean you're you're down underground. It's not bad. Put a little heater in there. Not bad at all. They're they're big pits, though. I mean, it's it's an actual foundation poured in the ground. But uh, it's I like them because they don't ring like a metal pit. Right. You know, metal pits I've been in before. You and I both know calling ducks, calling geese, geese especially when you hit a goose call in a metal pit, it rings and makes all kinds of noise, and it just doesn't sound good. That concrete absorbs it pretty well. Uh, I I like it better than metal. I mean, you know, even if there were ever an accident where a gun would fall over or something would discharge inside of a concrete pit. At least it's not going to go ricocheting like yeah, it. there's a lot of pros to the, to the concrete pit. Now there's a bunch of companies out there that have some really, really, really cool uh, metal pits now, but you know, we're old school. We still have concrete. Yeah. I remember the old days. Uh, some of the guys I hunted with down Southwest Iowa, they had those big uh, cargo uh, containers. Oh yeah. And I had one too. Yep. Oh my gosh. And I'll tell you what you, and you're guiding. But, uh, you know, and hunting snow geese and stuff. But the worst thing is having eight, 10 guys in there. And if you don't get out of that pit and those guns go off, oh, oh my gosh, it's, that's why, you know, the hearing is gone. But, um, you know, it, it, you talk about you, you're down there in your area. I was supposed to hunt with you last year, but uh, we got a good mutual friend, Chuck Stock. Yes. Chuck has been a friend of mine since I, I got him into bow hunting. I mean, he'll talk about if you, if when I'm down here, he'll tell you some of the crazy days when I lived in an apartment with shooting different critters around the apartment kind of here's this redneck you know pulling out and, and shooting stuff with a bow and i got him into it he was a football player at adrian college you know and and uh, i knew all the football players i used to lift with him and became friends but chuck is uh now he's moved down there but he has felt you know he was he big game hunted all over i mean but oh, yeah. He well, yeah and he, he got his toes frostbit off last year trying to kill a wolf yeah so <laughs> He, but waterfowl, dude, he is hooked on the waterfowl and, and, uh, he's been, you know, I know it was last year, year four last, he was complaining that, uh, it was tough down there. You know how the ducks, they just seemed to have a, a, a time watch that, you know, they were flying after shooting hours and stuff. And very, very nocturnal 
for a, for a couple of years last year, we had a better hatch and it was a lot better year. Uh, we had some weather too. I mean, when it's 50 degrees during duck season, they don't really have to do anything during the day. They, they can do what they want to do at night, but you know, our, our season was much better last year because we had weather and a little bit better hatch. He's, he's definitely hooked on it. And um, I don't know how many he's, he's uh, worked with him on the calls. I mean, he's just into everything, you know? Oh yeah. He's, he's headed to Manitoba. Like he always does. I tried to tell him to move over to Saskatchewan, but he won't listen. Now he's got a buddy up there that they stay in the he, same. It actually, it sounds like he needs that buddy now because uh, they're taking a lot of the freelancing away from Manitoba. Wow. No kidding. Mm -hmm. Well, that doesn't surprise me. Huh. Anyway um is there can i ask this and maybe you can't say is is sick of you know making their boots for their own waders you think that there might be uh regular boots in the hunting boots in, in the future never say never <laughs> okay gotcha. never say never never say never never say never, never, never say never about smaller sizes and bigger sizes so uh we're working on it good yeah good Lots, I mean, I'll know more at the end of August when I go up to Bozeman for our sales meeting. Uh, we'll, we'll have a little insight on what's new for fall 24, but uh, as I, it's always an exciting time of year to figure out what we're going to be able to sell for next fall, what's new, what's going on. So well, They're always on it, dude, and it's just not just the waterfowl. I mean, I'm a deer hunter and turkey hunter big time. We did a podcast with them back when, you know, I got one of their new uh, vests, turkey vest. Oh, yeah. And I'm going to tell you what, dude, <laughs> nothing comes close to it nothing well, you know and the thing about it is is i've had other i've got turkey vests that might be more that i might be able to carry more stuff in it but i can carry more stuff in it and i will if i have to and that's i don't need to <laughs> that's what i'm saying that you know basically we're not hunting that far from home or wherever the cabin you're staying and yep. you know turkey hunting to me you know is not an all day special when it starts getting warm but we we have our times you know that i'll hunt in the morning and if it's not good to a certain time I know when we'll go back and I know when to go back when the hens are going to start moving back to the nest. And, and, uh, in a lot of places you can only hunt to noon or three o'clock anyway. And so it's not really, but that vest right there is, um, you know, it, I look at it this way. If I'm going to need a bunch more, if I'm going to have food, I want something out there. I'll bring my Yeti cooler and leave it in my truck and have, you know, yep. my food in my cooler when I get back and take my break. So I'm right there at the woods. Yep. I, don't I, put, get I put a few protein bars and a bottle of water in the back and a, and a bottle of water in the, I actually, instead of one of the call holders on the side of like, I, I put it in there. I don't use a, I don't use a box call a whole lot. So I'm more of a mouth call, a slate call. So I'll put a bottle of water in that, but, uh, and it, it, it's it's plenty that's for sure did you get a chance to use the equinox guard clothing oh absolutely dude I, is that, is that amazing or what yeah i had chris Derrick on the podcast what an amazing guy we sent a couple of hot calls to him and his son and his son killed he sent us turkey killed a nice turkey like the following week with the pot call there which was so nice cool. he, he sent us a picture and a write-up but he he went through and explained you know the, on the vest but he also he went through that whole thing and the years of, of, of the testing of that clothing and living and i'm sure you probably have it but here in southern iowa where we live back and off the the grid and in the sticks last year the ticks were so bad and like i said i've had lyme's disease in the past so i'm constantly aware of it but we had tons of those little tiny ticks seed you know? ticks yeah oh gosh and I mean, and then our poor dog, you know, you try to search him. The next thing you know, you get something like a blueberry laying in the, in the floor and it's a friggin' ticket fell off. Oh, yeah. So bad. 
And that was the biggest thing that when I got, you know, to me that led that was that clothing. And being because I always, Promethean would take my clothes and just spray them the heck out of them with Promethean, my hat, my, I mean, oh, everything, everything. Yep. And hey, well, I would I, do like, I'd do like five pairs of underwears, all my socks, do everything, anything that I was going to wear. And now with this stuff, it's, it's been a game changer. You know, I've hunted next to a lot of people that weren't wearing it, guiding people turkey hunting, and they come in and they're covered with ticks. And even though they spray, they still get ticks on them. With this, the way the, the, the gator goes into your boots, the way that the top fits and, and I haven't had a tick in three years and that's saying something. I know yeah. Clay Hudnall, his wife got the, got one of the meat diseases from ticks and she's been wearing it and hasn't had any and Clay's been wearing it. I mean, it's, it's the real deal. A lot of people look at the price of the pants and they're expensive, but yeah. so what's the cost of Lyme's disease or what's the cost of one of those, you know, other diseases you can get from these nasty little critters so I, I i have a thing on the cost here i had a, a few years back when i was working uh, in sick booth at the deer uh, iowa deer classic and that that time and this was years ago uh, they had a bottle of beer it was 12 dollars for a bottle of budweiser beer and, <laughs> and these young guys came up and they were looking at the clothing so i'm going through the clothing tell them what i like them and what i like about it and all pumped up and you know and at that time and this was the cycle when at that time Sika was new and so the comment back wow it's great stuff but wow it's so expensive and i finally i looked at these two guys these two young guys and they had two budweiser in each hand and had a big dip you know of copenhagen and i told them i said you know what i said let's talk about pricing you just paid 12 dollars a beer for the same beer that's been out for 20 some years or longer you know, and you got $24 in two hands that somewhere other places that's over a case for a yeah. case of beer that you bought for two, you just paid for two of them. And then you got it, you know, Copenhagen, it's, it's going for six and $7 a 10, you know, yeah. And we're paying for gasoline, almost $4 a gallon. And all that stuff is the same stuff that we've been using for 20, 30 years. It right. This stuff here. Dude, is, is the state-of-the-art technology, state-of-the-art research by some of the smartest dudes. Oh, yeah. You understand. And they looked at it and they stopped and said, well, they looked at it that way. So I get what you're saying. Absolutely. Oh, Dude, yeah. I understand myself when we design and you put the, you know, your goose call, your duck call, you have something, you know, that, wow, they're, they're expensive, but they don't understand the technology, whatever you did. And design it and when people would come into our shop and they'd see all the work from the stop start to the finish that you put into a call and they're going wow i never realized there's so much work and i said yeah and all that just to get to the most important the tuning part correct and all it takes experience and it takes technology and it takes you know wisdom and that's what sick is what i'm trying to tell them don't right. look at the price of things and like you said if you had lyme's disease well tell me what's out there that that's out there that you're going to use is better and cheaper tell me cuz go buy it i agree with you go buy yeah. it there isn't no and one's going to want to spray that stuff all over all my stuff and the way that it's been treated it's already soaked in it's not going to be residual onto you there's i mean Absolutely. there's so many different things i mean but yeah like you said years ago everybody would walk into the store they grab the price tag and go oh my gosh it's so expensive now they're coming in. Hey, what size do you have? Do you have this in my size? And people have finally realized the the purpose for the quality. But you know, but they're still. We've got 
other brands out there that sell great products for people who need to have those products. Uh, when we're working these shows, I always tell all the people that are working my booths and working around me, hey, somebody comes in and asks me for brand A, this jacket, you walk them over and you sell them a brand A jacket. There's, you know, we're all in this together. Everybody has a piece of the pie. We just need to make sure that the, we're not showing animosity for each guys and each brand. Everybody helps everybody, and that will continue to grow the, the, the hunting sport. We start acting like little babies and sissies and crying and whining back and forth. We're going to deter some people, and we don't want to do that. We want to make sure we bring all the young kids up into an environment that's very welcoming. That's spoken by a true gentleman. You've spoken from an older generation. That is 100%. And, in in the, you know, working shows that, like you said, someone comes up and I have my brand, I have brand A, but if they want brand B, that's what you go over to them. And if they ask you questions and they're not sure what they want and they want to know about another brand, then we'll mention brand A. Maybe exactly. they start in this stuff like that. And you're absolutely right. There's, anim an there's too much animosity of, uh, you know, out there, especially in the calling industry, because now there's so many people that's gotten into it and, and stuff like that. And we forget about, you know, the brotherhood and, and being respectful, I guess, having morals. Uh, and again, it, 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 that's the, that, that hits it right on the head is respectful. Um, you know, it, we still have it. We still have it. it. There's, there's some things that are entering in that haven't been as respectful and, uh, we have to deal with that. But, uh, as long as the core people that have been in this forever can stay together and stay focused and work together, I think we'll all be good in the long run. Absolutely. Well spoken, Steve. I'd like to take a brief pause to give a shout out to our sponsors, Apex Ammo, Domain Outdoor, G5 Broadheads, Killing Sticks, Lacrosse Footwear, Prime Archery, Rite, Sitka Gear, Stan Releases, Yeti, Brent Nadu, who wrote the music for our podcast. Um, let me get to this. We got, you know, teal season and, and a lot of places, September 1st, where a lot of guys are going to be having early goose season. Um, so for the guys that are hunting, and it's probably the northern season and even the south of the teal, um, let's talk about clothing of the Sitka. What, if I'm a Sitka, you know, looking to get in some Sitka clothing for the early season, what would you recommend for guys with the early goose and early teal? You know, the weather and all that, that we're going to experience. So what would be your advice for, for that type of clothing, for that type of hunting? I'd still be wearing Equinox Guard hoodies because the, the mosquitoes can't bite through it. Um, definitely wear that. Get a lightweight, like a Delta weighting jacket in case it's raining. Um, personally, when it's 75, 80 degrees, the beauty of wearing our waders is I wear a pair of shorts underneath them and I don't get that clammy feeling against my legs that I used to wearing neoprenes or other breathable waders because of the breathability of Gore-Tex. It makes them comfortable to still be able to wear a pair of shorts. Um, if it's a little chilly, we've got the traverse pants, uh, yeah, just any of our light stuff for sure. But I, I on my top, if I'm in waders, I'm going to be wearing an Equinox guard because I don't want the mosquito because the mosquitoes aren't uh, the way the fabric's woven, as I'm sure Chris told you, is the mosquitoes cannot bite through that fabric. And that's a game changer, too. I mean, you still got to spray a little off on you to keep them away from you, but not like you would before. And shoot, sometimes if you're laying in a fence row, or doing something like that for early goose, I'd be wearing full Equinox Guard in my layout blind or something because they're still ticks and they're bad in the fall too. Uh, as you know what, I didn't even think about the Equinox, but you're right. In the early goose, we used to do a lot of guiding 
uh, hunting cut wheat. You know, you only had some of the, of the agriculture is is cut, is harvested. And that so you, silage is the only thing you can get. Yeah, that and silage. So even if we if we had cornfields that would butt up and in, into a, a cut wheat field, or if you're in a silage field that's half cut and you're standing, a lot of times you're going to hunt in that standing corn, dude. There's nothing worse in that standing corn than the freaking mosquitoes breathe. Oh, they're horrible. They're horrible. In there. And, and believe it or not, I mean, you're going to have ticks in there because the deer go through that corn. And yeah. wherever they, wherever you have deer, you're going to have ticks. And that's what I would I would always recommend. And even in the subalpine pattern, it's green uh, up against that green corn, all that's, I mean, Perfect. you're not going to lose anything. And, and if you're in a layout blind, who cares if you're wearing the green subalpine? So, you know, in the wheat part. So I, that would be, my, I mean, we make so many cool lightweight products, core lightweight hoodies, traverse pants. We make so much lightweight stuff. But again, my big sell is Equinox Guard just because of the peace of mind, knowing that I'm not going to get those ticks or have the mosquitoes on me. I think you guys listening, that is probably one of the best advice of wearing and, and gear again. That's what's sick is the gear is their early season, man, wearing the Equinox. And even the guys teal hunting, if you're sitting in whatever, you have a box blind in, in the weeds and, and off these ponds and stuff like that, you said, you know, there's still deer that it's running and living and through these things and, and between that and the mosquitoes. But, you know, it's one of the things that uh, I know, you know, I would preach to guys because I've known guys actually quit turkey hunting because, because of, of it. my dad my dad was one of them until i got him equinox guard and 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 I, one of the things every year i'm saying you know nobody's pre i've had lyme's disease and let me tell you what when it comes to turkey season preparation against it is more important to me than you know what decoys and stuff i'm using on turkeys because yeah. we'll kill a turkey but i'm telling you we the defense against tick is something that you don't see that attacks you and gets on you and then you got it and then you climb it dude i've woke up <laughs> i've had them in my belly button oh I've everywhere had, and then you wake up around. even if you don't even if you don't have them then you start feeling like your skin's crawling and all that i haven't even had that feeling for the last three years because i know that what i'm wearing prevents it prevents you know, that I, I got i got ticks earlier this year because i was out in the woods mushroom hunting and i didn't put it on i'm like i'm an idiot I should have wore it mushroom hunting. You know, I've got solid and yeah. you, know, you get in a hurry. I'm like, Oh my gosh, I got to go check that patch. And ah, shit, I got a tick. Oh crap. You know, but you know, it's something that that's why we brought it out in solids too, for guys that aren't hunting and you can, you can use it in shed hunting. You can use it, you know, early food plots. You can do all kinds of stuff with that. The Equinox guard in my mind is one of the most, is probably one of the coolest things that we've come out with other than waiters in the last, you know, 10 years. Yeah. Early summer or late spring, you know, there's some places that I'll go and especially the deer hunters out there, I'll do some cutting and new spots for tree stand setups and I'll go out and do my cutting and set stands then. So it's not yep. during the season, my scent. And definitely I don't go unless I have the Equinox is on that, you know, and we got mushroom patches here. Like you said, it's just in the woods and I, and I won't even walk in unless I have, I'll go back in and put my stuff on and go back. Yep. And it's just, yep. I, I made the mistake a couple times this year. That's the first time that I've had a tick. I'm outside of the hunting realm. I, I got some when I was uh, mushroom hunting. So. Well, that was a great tip. I'm telling you what guys, that right there for the early season coming up here, you know, you heard, uh, you know, some, what do we wear? And, and, but I think the most important tip you had right there is talking about the uh, Equinox. And, and like you said, you're laying in a layout blind, um, I mean, it, it, I could wear blue jeans, I could wear shorts, you know, it doesn't, it, it doesn't really matter, but Equinox, it definitely makes a difference for the early season. Um, late season, 
say um, I'm, I'm a guy heading down to Arkansas, I want to duck hunt and you know, I want to get, and I'm heading down late December. What would you look at for that? Your advice to that guy, he's coming down here and he said, Hey man, I need to stop at max and pick up some, some clothing yeah. before. What well, would you what, I mean, it's, there's a few contributing factors. Are you coming down there to spec hunt laying out in the fields? Are you coming down there to stand next to a tree in the woods? You're going to go hunt a pit out in the rice fields. If I'm standing next to a tree, of course, I'm wearing my waders. Uh, late December, you're probably wearing a pair of gradient pants or a pair of gradient cold weather bibs. Uh, then on top, I wear core lightweight against my skin. Then I wear a core, a core heavyweight or a grinder against the top of that, uh, the core lightweights for moisture wicking. Then I, my go-to jacket the last few years has been the Kelvin Aerolite jacket because it's so flexible, so movable, so warm, uh, very lightweight. That's been my favorite piece until we've got the new duck oven that is made with the Primalop Gold Cross Core, which is the same insulation that's in the uh, uh, Kelvin Aerolite jacket. It is way more comfortable. I, a lot of guys rave about it and loved it. It just was too much for me. I do too much moving, guiding people, doing things. I, I, you know, if I was probably just sit, coming out, sitting in the pit, waiting to shoot, yeah, for sure. Duck oven is was my go-to, would have been my go-to, but not doing all the stuff that I do. I, I, I chose the Kelvin Aerolite jacket or even the Ambient too, just for, for you know, being able to put decoys out, being able to move decoys, being able to, to work the dog, do all the stuff that I do. But the new duck oven is money now with the uh, with the new insulation, so that's pretty cool. Yeah, I got the that's new. That's what guy. I'd wear. That's what I mean. If I was laying in the field, wear a pair of Hudson bibs with uh, some gradient pants underneath it, depending on how warm or cold it is. If I'm in a pit, wear my waders. I don't wear gradient pants a whole lot because I run hot. But what I do wear is a pair of core lightweight or core merino bottoms with a pair of grinder pants over the top or a pair of back 40s or just one of our everyday pants. I don't wear a whole lot because I do run hot um, under these waders. Uh, if it gets really, 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 really cold, like it did right around Christmas last year, I'll put on the gradient pants or the gradient cold weather bibs, but it has to get really cold for me to wear them. But for everyday guys that, you know, maybe run a little bit colder or not out and exposed to the elements as much as we are, you know, a lot of people are like, oh, do you run hot or cold? Being run, being hot or cold is a lot, is relevant to the amount of time you spend in, in the cold. Um, you know, guys that work Monday through Friday and only get to duck hunt on the weekends and they get a cold front and it's colder than heck guy like me i'm like what do you mean it's cold it's not cold but to them it is they haven't been exposed to it all week they're you know they're they're, they're it's a different animal for them than it is for me or you or somebody who spends a lot more time in the who is blessed enough to be able to spend more time out in the woods and out out in the field but you know we've got such a, an array of assortment for people to choose that you know hey i run kind of hot but kind not kind of hot i mean you can choose Midweight insulation, lightweight insulation, heavyweight insulation. You know, we sell that Boreal jacket. That's the warmest coat. It's kind of like the incinerator on the white tail side or our fanatic on the white tail side. The warmest thing you can ever do, but you could never put that on and go out and put out decoys. You, you'd sweat to death, but yeah. we give them all options. That's for sure. The, 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 uh, what was the, is a fanatic, the, uh, mm -hmm. white tail version with the, the jacket with the, with the goose down. That's that the incinerator incinerator i remember hunting uh muzzleloading in late in michigan late muzzleloading and dude it was minus out oh and yeah I, I went out with that to sit in the blind with nothing but a t-shirt underneath it and sat there all warm and, 
and uh, end up shooting a nice buck. But yeah, the, the, the incinerator was was crazy. You know, you mentioned uh, another company that you you represent, and, and it's a company that I've had good friends, very good friends with, and and but respected the product they make was Rig and Right. Oh yeah, and they've Matthew, always Matthew's good people. Oh, he's he's great person. I remember meeting him and his little girl. I'm pretty sure it was his little girl years ago when I was doing the Cabela's Kansas show. Oh yeah. He sat across from me at this little table. I think they were just getting their start, but he would come up and introduce himself, you know, and, and, and man, what a great, been that way through the years, but I'll tell you what, he's one of the companies that you look at. There's you, the quality in their product is, is a step above and I'm not trying yeah. to cut anybody else out there. It's just that there's no doubt that, uh, you know, when you grab one of their blind bags or gear bags, gun, whatever you can tell, I can tell rig them right just from someone's hand carrying it, you know? Oh, for sure. You know, and that's one thing that Matthew, he, he, he always prides himself on making something to the, just the next level, making yeah. sure that there's 30 extra stitches. There's this, there's that, you know, just something to make it better so that we all know how much waterfowl products can abuse, be abused with the elements and everything that we, we put them through. And it's probably one of the toughest sports on equipment that there is. And, just to make that next level keeps you from having to worry about it. I'm going to get off the the grid a little bit now here because it's something that I think is so unique about you. I mean, I know a lot of people in the hunting industry, but no one has a green thumb in cans. And see, my mother's from the hills of Tennessee. In fact, I, I've got a picture that uh, my cousins finally sent. I've been looking for it. And because my mother was my hero, I mean, growing up and every time mm -hmm. I killed she'd go out and help me gut it and we'd always have to have the lart and liver and and every time we'd come home pheasant hunting was what i grew up on the upland hunting in michigan and we'd come home and we'd put our game jackets in, in down in the in the garage and i'd go put the dog up and and the feed and water take care my mom would come out and she'd go through our jackets get the birds out and first thing she'd do she'd be outside and she'd do all the cleaning she cleaned wow. all her birds you know and so that's how i grew up but yep. we because I worked in a garden growing up and I, I don't know how many beans that I picked and strung, you know, I hated that, but, and, you know, helping my mother can, and she would, the cabbage, we grew cabbage and, and I would help her, you know, uh, shred all the cabbage and we'd have these big crocks and then she'd put salt. And I remember as a kid with cheesecloth and I'd sneak up in the middle of the night and I'd go in there and I'd eat that cabbage, that salty taste. But oh, we yeah. had, I mean, our tables and the whole kitchen is just covered with mason jars and all night long. You hear cans popping. But yeah. we lived all winter on the vegetable soup that she made. Oh, and yeah. And, and salsa and green beans and canned corn and, you know, even canned our venison. She canned my dad. We were big fishermen in Lake Michigan and, and Erie, you know, catching salmon. And she would can the salmon. It's just we didn't eat out. Right. You know, it is different. And so that's it. If, if you did, it was a treat. It was a treat. Absolutely. Yeah. Yep. And, and um or there's a special occasion for it, you know, sure. and, but, uh, you know, so you don't see too much. We, there's people here that are friends of our farmers that we go over and my way, we're trying to learn the, the canon because it's so much done here in Iowa, the same way people grow all their own vegetables, but dude, you grow some amazing vegetables and then you do the canning and the I, food that yeah. how did you get started in that? My grandfather, same thing. My grandfather had a, my grandfather lived in town in Kansas City. His whole backyard was a garden. He sold tomatoes off, off his front porch. He sold tomatoes to the local grocery stores. He, he grew mainly 
tomatoes and uh, raspberries blue and blackberries. Um, I grow mainly tomatoes, cucumbers, and peppers, um, only because cucumbers for my pickles, tomatoes and uh, green peppers and that for making salsa, making spaghetti sauce, that kind of stuff. But I just started really canning in the last two years with pickles. I was making a lot of refrigerator pickles until I would run out of space in my fridge. I'm like, oh my gosh, what am I going to do with all this stuff? But you know, you wanted to have nice fresh pickles. But so I started learning the canning method, water bath canning. I haven't done, I haven't moved to the pressure canning probably like your mom did with the with the I, meat. With the meat, you got to have a pressure canner. But with the uh, tomato, with salsa and that kind of things and pickles, you can do it in a water bath canner. Um, I actually put back I think, 24 jars, jars of salsa yesterday and like 12 jars of uh, uh, pasta sauce the day before. My cucumbers are on the my cucumbers have fizzled out, so I'm not making any any pickles right now. I've got a, a second planting of cucumbers that are coming on. I'll probably be able to do some more here. Yeah, probably in the first of September, if we don't get an early frost or something, I'll, I'll be able to do some more in September. But I started doing pickles instead of handing the employees at the stores, a hat and a t-shirt. I started just making pickles and handed it to the employees at the stores because it was just something different. Right. It's awesome. Yeah. Now they look forward to pickles. So <laughs> I had, I got a sister-in-law lived in North Carolina, oh, lived in Carolina but she was, uh, had a company called Appalachian Harvest. I'm listening. I had a, a company called Appalachian Harvest. She, she's actually was on the Paula Dean show. But they made everything. She had her stores. There you go, brother. I'll give you my address here in a little bit. Yeah, I'll bring some up. I'll bring some to Presley's. Awesome. But you know what they made that they were real famous. They made all the jalapeno jelly that was really good. And then, but she, but she made um, pickled tomatoes. Oh yeah, but they were pickled tomatoes that you could put on a hamburger. Oh yeah, and those were I, delicious. I was looking at those kind of recipes. I'm trying to make sure that I have enough salsa and pasta sauce, and then I'm going to start looking at other things. I my tomatoes have just gone crazy in the last three weeks. And of course me being on the road, I come home after being on the road for four days at working these shows. And I, I'm like, Oh gosh, what, what am I going to do with 25, 30 pounds of tomatoes? So yeah, I think somebody needs to go outside. Okay. You want to take him out? You... No, I'm good. Oh my well, Steve, <laughs> I That's bet you're she has to do. I, she, when she comes over like that, she's and, telling you, I got to go outside. She well, says, fun, I got to right? go outside. Yeah. So. That's our cue, folks. So, Steve, I appreciate again uh, taking your time, your busy schedule, and I look forward to seeing you at Presley's this weekend and yep. always in our conversations and look forward to some of your pickles. And, uh, folks, I hope you subscribe to this, listen to this. If you like it, go to Legendary Gear USA, George Lynch uh, podcast, hunting show podcast. You can pick it up there, or you can go to the, the outdoor call radio, Dan Young on Wednesdays, uh, Waterfowl and Whitetail. I do both, and you'll catch it there. Um, I appreciate it, buddy. And, and folks, always remember, hunt safe, hunt smart. May the good Lord be your guide. Take a kid with you. Take a kid, honey. Absolutely. Yes, sir. Well, I'll be out there, rain is shining. All a part of the great design. Bring it on, I can never get enough. Because that's what legends are made of.